Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance. And just a reminder, I've started a Patreon where I'm going to publish videos that I can't publish on YouTube because YouTube demonetizes them. So if you want to support my content and see videos that are too spicy for YouTube, then check out patreon.com slash r slash. And next, a word from our sponsors. Our next Reddit post is from DXM. When I was seven, my family moved from Reykjavik, Iceland to London, UK for my father's work. He was an Icelandic native, but my mother was born in England, so I was raised completely bilingual from birth. It's also not uncommon for Icelanders to speak English, and often other languages too. I also spoke passable Danish at this point. At my primary school, which was basically elementary school, it goes up to age 11. They put me in regular classes because I spoke English as well as someone raised in the UK. But at my secondary school, age 11 to 16, all immigrant kids got put in English as a second language sessions. You could earn your way out of these extra classes by completing the evaluations and exam. But the fact that I had to do these extra assignments and go to these classes at all pissed me off. My brother had just gone through them when he went two years before me and had been allowed to stop going after a month when he completed all the set work. But I didn't want a month of extra classes and extra work, and the ESL tutor who ran the classes when my brother had them had left, so the new teacher didn't know him and therefore didn't know me either. The school decided I didn't speak proper English, so I didn't. The ESL tutor didn't speak Icelandic, and though the work I was given was mind-numbingly easy, think how they teach phonetics and basic sentence structure to four-year-olds. I stuck to my pretense of not speaking a single word of English in those classes for two full weeks in protest. In my third week, my history teacher assigned us homework, which I didn't feel like doing. And since my ESL teacher had put a note in my file that I wasn't fluent enough to be given homework, I decided to refer my history teacher to that and tell him, in, f- <laughs> in fluent, unaccident English, that I don't speak the language well enough to complete homework, according to Mrs. ESL tutor. Luckily enough, he found that incredibly funny and didn't punish me since I was right, my file did say that. When my ESL teacher found out, she gave me a detention and yelled at me for using ESL to get out of work and for wasting her time. So I agreed, having me in ESL was a waste of time, and that must mean I didn't have to go anymore. She tried to argue, but I had my history teacher on my side, and he managed to convince the school office to change ESL into an opt-in class for people whose parents and teachers felt needed it. I didn't have to go back to ESL, and didn't even have to complete that homework. Our next Reddit post is from Joey Jojo. I'm a software developer. My department and another department each made different products, but a customer would often have both, and these products need to communicate with each other. Both teams had the task of adding a feature, which required some modification to how the products communicate. Communication is done via a published protocol, which means that our two teams just need to follow the spec, which is great. The teams are in different countries, so time zones make direct collaboration somewhat challenging. My team finished our changes, and so I reached out to my counterpart on the other team to arrange for testing our products together. They were still working on it, and that was all I heard from them for a while. That's fine. We were ahead of schedule. I can wait until they're ready. I set up a sample installation on a spare server and told them how to access it remotely, and asked that they let me know if they need anything. A week or two passed before they were ready, and they started testing on a Friday. They encountered some problems, so they sent me an email. Because of the time zones, this was past my working hours, and I wasn't checking my work email. When I didn't reply, they wrote another email, CCing their boss and my boss. 
When a reply to that email didn't come quickly enough, they CC'd even higher on the chain of command, demanding that my team work to fix the problem. They further stated that if the problem was not immediately fixed, their release would be late and it would entirely be my team's fault. On Saturday, I got a call from my boss explaining the situation. He politely asked me if I could spare some time to come in on the weekend to troubleshoot the problem. I agreed. I spent some time reading log files and packet captures and comparing system behavior to the spec. Soon enough, I found the problem. Their product was sending messages that didn't conform to the spec. I was able to simulate the bad message and a fixed version of that message to confirm that our product handled both as it should. Nobody from the other team was online, so I sent my report by email. Remember how they sent that email blaming my team for their problems? The email that went to their boss, their boss's boss, my boss, and my boss's boss? Yeah, that was the email I replied to. Replying to all. I very politely and professionally explained exactly what the problem was, making sure my explanation would be clear to those upper-level managers before going into the technical details, and what changes they would need to make to fix the problem. Clicking the send button has never felt so satisfying. Working on the weekend resulted in me being in a much better mood than if I'd stayed home the whole time. And, per department policy, I took some comp time during the week to make up for those weekend hours. This was my first time working with that team, but from what the others told me, this wasn't an unusual experience. A few years later, the company was restructured and that office was closed down completely. Our next Reddit post is from Hands Adventures. This happened when I was around 12 years old. It was my birthday, and in the morning, I came out and asked my dad what he got me for my birthday. He didn't even wish me a happy birthday, and he was quite busy with work as well, so he just smirked and said, I got you a bunch of bananas. I was so upset and mad because he wouldn't even look up or wish me a happy birthday. So I ate <laughs> So I ate all 12 bananas because they were my present, and I could. I'll never forget my dad's face when he found out. And down in the comments, when someone asked what the aftermath of this was, OP explains. He was super pissed off and gave me an earful because he was saving those bananas for himself later. My mom doubled over laughing when she found out. I guess the respect part wasn't limited to just the bananas though. He was suddenly fearful of the extents I would go to over the things he said. That's a funny story, OP, but I gotta be straight with you. Your dad sounds like kind of a tool bag. Our next Reddit post is from Throwaway. I was working for a university in the UK as an admissions officer when I decided to apply for the role of senior admissions officer in the same office. I submitted my application and didn't hear anything for a while. A week or so later, I was abroad for a week to visit my family when I received an email to confirm that I got invited for an interview. The next day at 9 a.m., I replied and asked if we could postpone the interview until Monday because I'd be back by then, but they refused. The lady who refused was my current manager, and she knew I was abroad, so I didn't think that was very fair. I asked if we could do the interview over Skype instead, but she also refused this. The interview time was set, and if I was interested, I should be there. Otherwise, it's my loss. I was pissed off, as I couldn't believe how inflexible they were. I started rereading the email again and decided to go through the attachments to see what I had to prepare for the interview. I noticed they added a travel expense form, which stated that if you travel from 5 miles or further, you could claim your expenses. Being abroad in Europe is definitely over 5 miles, so I decided to drive to the airport. 
booked the last flight, which was 350 pounds for a one-way flight, got a cab from the airport, and stayed in a hotel near the university as my house would have been at the other side of London. I made it to the interview in time, and they were shocked to see me, as they obviously didn't expect me. The interview went well, but I didn't get the job. When I handed in my expense claim form, I was advised that it only applied to UK travel, and they refused to pay. I asked them why they sent me the claim form when they knew I was traveling in from abroad, and I said that nowhere on the form it stated that it was for UK travel only. They said it was their policy, but I wasn't allowed to view said policy. I was due a lot of money, so I decided to file a freedom of information request for them to provide a policy. This appeared to be a historical policy, and as they couldn't send me the evidence, they decided to pay my travel expenses, which came to a total of £550. The policy has since been updated. OP, it sounds like they had no intention of hiring you whatsoever, and they intentionally scheduled the interview that way because they wanted to appear nice while actually denying you. So I'm glad you got your little piece of revenge. Unsupportive bosses can go screw themselves. Fun fact, an unsupportive boss is actually how I got started in YouTube in the first place. My boss promised to promote me for years and never did, and I became increasingly frustrated and was looking for ways to vent my frustration. And one of the things I turned to was making videos for YouTube. Our next Reddit post is from Rob Branstad. I came out to my parents as a trans man before the start of my freshman year of high school, and they were extremely hostile about it. So much so that they forbade me from using my chosen name at school or even with my friends. Well, I thought that was a load of garbage and changed my name in the school system on the first day. It had my legal name listed, but for most purposes my preferred name was used. After about three months they found out about it and were pissed, so they said to me, OP, you have to change your name in the school right now. So I was like, okay, I will. So I changed it from Bob, B-O-B, that wasn't my actual name, to Bob, B-O-B-B. The next day, they checked the homework, <laughs> they checked the homework portal again and discovered I had indeed changed it, but not to my legal name. OP, we told you to change it back to your legal name. No, you told me to change it, and I did. My god, they were pissed. I was grounded for a month and my phone was taken, but it was totally worth it. So after that, every time they told me to change it, I would, <laughs> I would tag on another letter. By the end of the school year, my name was Bob. <laughs> Eventually, they stopped grounding me and just gave up. I was allowed to use my preferred name the rest of high school, provided it wasn't around them. Our next Reddit post is from Antipatico. This happened years ago at what would turn out to be my last year at a Catholic school for reasons that will become obvious. I don't have anything against people of faith, but it wasn't my thing very early on. I was 12 years old and in 7th grade. I was becoming disenchanted with my Catholic upbringing. I had so many questions, and it might have saved my faith to have them answered reasonably. The adults didn't want to reason with a curious 12-year-old. They wanted to see a nice Catholic girl who didn't feel compelled to make so much distasteful noise. Sex ed was still part of any Catholic curriculum, and as it turned out, my religion teacher, Mrs. M, was also my sex ed teacher. When she opened up our first sex ed class with, Now, I'm just as embarrassed to be here as you are. I didn't see it as an expression of empathy. I saw it as a grown woman humiliated to be teaching basic biology. It made me sad. Junior high sex ed wasn't just biology, though. 
It was an effort to shape our view of the world. Miss M taught us sexual health as per Catholic doctrine and also peppered in some of her own weird personal viewpoints, shaped by her own history, I guess. We had this box at the front of the class where we could discreetly write down and drop off the questions we were too nervous to ask out loud. Someone asked what orgasms feel like for women. We knew men ejaculate, but what do women do? Mrs. M didn't explain, perhaps because she hadn't had one a day in her life. She said, The woman's orgasm is not a necessary part of passionate hugging. It's not necessary for procreation, and passionate hugging is for the purposes of procreation. That sounded very dodgy to me. I brought her statement home to my mother, who had always been very open to me about these things. I asked her if women really weren't supposed to enjoy passionate hugging all that much. She was horrified. She told me lots of men like to make women feel good, and passionate hugging should feel good for everyone. Then, she said something that would be lastingly valuable. Ask questions in that class. Teachers are supposed to answer your questions, and if they can't, maybe they shouldn't be teachers. The next class, Mrs. M taught us that homosexuality was a sin. That was too much for me. I had a gay uncle who was a huge fixture in my life. I felt attraction to girls in my class, and I refused to believe God would think who you love is worthy of hellfire. She went on to say that gay marriage was both impossible and wrong. I raised my hand and asked her plaintively, why is gay marriage wrong? Her answer was, because they cannot procreate and procreation is the purpose of marriage. I sat silently. I didn't demonstrate agreement nor dissent. I went home and thought about that for a while. I needed to come back to sex ed class with an inquiry that was going to properly screw Miss M up. It didn't seem like an easy task, but I came up with something I thought was worth trying out. The next sex ed class rolled around. Mrs. M taught whatever stuffy, deplorable lesson she had in the plan. Then, she opened up the class to questions. I raised my hand, she called on me, and I said, If a woman is infertile, but she really loves the man she's with and wants to share the sacrament of marriage with him, does the church approve the marriage? It was a no-brainer for her. Of course. I followed up with, But she can't have children, and marriage is for procreation. Why can she get married, but two men or two women who can't procreate can't? Anyone who's seasoned in Christian apologetics can explain this one pretty easily. But I had hit Mrs. M somewhere deeply personal in front of 30 other children. Mrs. M was a married woman of around 50 or so, with no children of her own. Very unusual for a Catholic woman who doesn't believe in birth control. Mrs. M was infertile, and to her, I was questioning the sanctity of her marriage and its validity in the eyes of the God she dedicated her life to. It was a sucker punch, and she couldn't collect herself to punch back. She instead flew into a rage. Her face became a deep shade of red, and she said, This is not a debate class, and sent me to the office. For context, I didn't know Mrs. M was infertile. It's something my mother told me post-office battle. An apology letter was determined to be insufficient by Mrs. M. My mom came to collect me and a battle ensued. Mrs. M wanted blood by way of suspension and my mother was having none of it. Curious kids don't get suspended for questioning what they're taught. The only thing that worked in my favor was my history of being a nerdy, non-disruptive child with good grades. A compromise was struck. I wouldn't get suspended, but I couldn't participate in sex ed class nor religion class. My grades in those classes would be determined solely by the written portions. These written portions were completed at a desk positioned outside of the classroom, which Mrs. M smugly carried out for me every class. 
I didn't mind working outside of the classroom because, to me, it was a good example of the ease in which an adult can collapse under a child's questioning. I decided that religion and sex ed would become my specialty classes. I would master the curriculum. I would get the best grades I could, and Mrs. M would have to watch it happen. I worked very hard, harder than I had in any other classes. I studied at length and did additional research online. I finished out the semester with about 95% in sex ed and 98% in religion. The final exams for both classes were entirely multiple choice. I was permitted into the classroom to be supervised for the exams, and there was no room for her biases to creep into her grading. She passed me the Scantron sheet for my religion exam. 100%. I thanked her with a saccharine smile. She fixed me with a grim expression before moving on to the next classmate. A few days later, it was the Scantron sheet for the sex ed exam. 100%. I said, thank you for all you've taught me as I smiled up at her. She said something under her breath and moved on. Mrs. M hated me with a distinctly unchristlike passion, and she found other ways to express it in the following semester. It warms my heart a little to think of her having to grade all my schoolwork. One correct answer after the other. The relentlessly curious, heretic nerd girl was a pain in her side that wouldn't go away. Worst of all, she demonstrated that she understood what you were teaching, she just didn't believe in it. Down in the comments, we have this story from Miss Redhead. I got kicked out of Sunday school when I asked our teacher, if Adam and Eve were the only people on earth until they had kids, who did Cain marry when he got exiled for killing Abel? You could have heard a pin drop. I was asked to go outside and sit in a chair in the hallway and tell church. Never did get an answer. My mom, who was way cooler at the time than she is now, told me it was a very good question, but she didn't know either. And obviously, neither did teacher. That was r slash malicious compliance, and if you like this podcast, then follow me because I put out new Reddit podcasts every single day.